our God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, that you are here amongst us. Oh, we live for your presence. We live just to see you and be with you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We're moving into our ministry time, and um, I have something to share. I wanted to share this weeks ago, but I didn't. Um, pardon me for a minute while I find it. It's from Romans 4 about Abraham and his faith. My faith has been challenged recently, um, as it always is, I think. I think our faith is challenged on a daily basis, really. Um, but it's said about Abraham that he believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. And even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping and Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though, how many have even those? But, okay, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And the King James says that he was strengthened in faith. So um, I, I like that thought that his faith strengthened him. Um, he was fully convinced that God was able to do whatever he promised. And I see a progression, um, you know, because it was 20 years from the promise to the fulfillment. So I, I don't think that um, the end result was that he was fully convinced that God was able to do whatever he promises. There was a progression, and so I, I just think about um, when I'm challenged, I'm just, I'm going to hold on, and, you know, and sometimes I think about Abraham, well, what about Hagar, you know? Does that show faith? Well, Holy Spirit doesn't mention that, you know? Holy Spirit says that he, he had faith and he was counted as righteous. So, um, you know that I've had a, a tough month with the health of my son and my grandson. And so um, this was really, this, the life of Abraham was really encouraging to me as I held on. The other voice of condemnation, um, you know, and religious was saying, but you're eating cookies, but you're binge watching Call the Midwife. You know, <laughs> but I was also listening to podcasts. I was also reaching out. I was also praising, you know, I was also, um, and so I, I'm learning um, to recognize that the Holy Spirit doesn't speak to me that way. Now, he could very well one day say to me, lay off the cookies and let's go have some quiet time together. So I'm not saying that all your vices, you know, I mean, I'm saying listen to the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm saying. And, and this week he said to me, there's freedom. If it calms you down to watch Call the Midwife, that's okay, you know. Um, <laughs> um, and I also had some dreams this week. So if you are a dream interpreter, I'm going to tell you a part of one of them. Um, in my dream, and you know that God is working in the basement of my life, the foundations of my belief system as I'm leaving religion, you know, coming into freedom. Um, 
<laughs> right? Um, so in my dream, I flew to my childhood home of Southern California to take care of business. Um, and I went to high school in the Imperial Valley, which is desert between San Diego and Yuma, just north of Mexico. But it's also a very, it's an agricultural region um, because of the miracle of irrigation. Uh, we don't grow corn there, but my dream was about a crop of corn. It was about a field that had been uh, dormant for 10 years, and there were some businessmen that thought that they were going to be able to buy this field at a really good price because it, the, you know, uh, it hadn't produced. Um, but in fact, it had been dormant on purpose, and now it was producing, and it was producing this crop of corn that was so plentiful and so sweet that it was highly profitable, and there was so much of it, and I saw the, them taking the kernels off of the ear of corn. I don't know why, but there was so much that it was like covering the roads that the trucks were, you know, carrying this corn. Um, and then there were other parts of the dream that were... Uh, clearly more personal um, to me in my life and what God's doing. Um, and then God gave me a fun, funny, 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 funny thing. Um, how many of you know that there was a big soccer game yesterday? There was a big soccer game yesterday. I think it was the World Cup. I don't know. It was Madrid and Liverpool. It was a big deal. I didn't know about it. However, Friday night, maybe early Saturday morning, I dreamt I was in a soccer game. And I thought, I want to steal this ball. I want to I kick it up over my head, you know, like that, and fall back or flip over, whatever. Well, the next day, I'm seeing all these things about the soccer game, and I still didn't think anything about it until a friend posted a picture of that very move. And I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> you know, God, so that's just, I don't think that's coincidence. I think God was having some fun, right? Okay, so if there are any other uh, members of the ministry team that would like to give a word of knowledge or prophecy today, please come up. Don't be shy, here we go. Ooh, I got shot. <laughs> During worship today, I was really feeling like um, there's someone here who is doubting how God feels about them and that he wants you to know that he... <laughs> that you are the apple of his eye and that he loves you so much and not to let the enemy keep coming in with, well, but you haven't done this or you haven't done that or, um, I don't know, just the cares, I guess, of this world. But God loves you so much and he just, yeah, he's really proud of you. So I don't know who that's for. Come a little closer, Tom. I'm going to do this now because it's going to tag right on with what Tammy was just saying. I just, the scripture kept coming to mind where Jesus um, is ministering and the prophet Isaiah was quoted. It says, here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love and whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him. He will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. Now, this is for you, whoever is here that needed to hear what Tammy was saying. A bruised reed. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick 
he will not snuff out. You might feel like you're a bruised reed or a smoldering wick. He is not looking to snuff you out. In his name, the nations will put their hope. He is your hope this morning. This morning, I, I keep hearing the scripture. Um, it says, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks unto his name. And the Lord was ministering to me this morning about the fruit of our lips. And when I think about that, I automatically think about us in church praising him and singing songs together and worshiping him, even when we don't feel like it or when we had a rough week. But he was ministering to me about the personal praise and worship between us as individuals and him. And he said, I love it when you worship me. He said, I love it when you praise me. I love it when you sing to me in your personal time. He goes, I just I, I love that. He goes, I glory in worship. I glory in praise. I glory when you adore me and love on me and give thanks. So he just wants you to know that he appreciates and he hears every time you give him thanks. That's the fruit of your lips. He hears every single thank you, and he appreciates that, and he gets glory out of that. So I just keep hearing that scripture. He just appreciates your praise and your worship. And another thing he brought up, that when you worship and praise him, there's such an amazing breakthrough that will always happen. You might not realize the breakthrough is taking place, but as he inhabits your praise, there is a breakthrough happening. So I just want to encourage you to continue to praise him and worship him in your personal time because there's a breakthrough coming. Amen. We just have to be obedient. I was going to sit back and just listen to everyone and not say one word. It's so hard and the Holy Spirit's going, are you going to do it? Are you going to be disobedient? And I already had spankings the other week, being disobedient. Um, but this morning the Lord was speaking, and he said, he spoke this word from Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in him, he said, with all of your heart. Don't lean on your understanding. And he will direct all of your paths. He will direct your life. You know, we have trust issues Many of us have trust issues. But he said, you will never go wrong trusting in me. Your husband, your wife, a family member, or even a church leader, you know, may have let you down. But the Lord said, I'll never, never, ever let you down. You can trust in me. Trust in me. And don't put your eyes on man because they'll let you down because they're men or human. And they might have issues of their own that day and they might just snap at you when you're over there, you know, asking for some sympathy or, you know, whatever you need. But today his word 
came to me and he said, I want my people to trust in me. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. I have plans for you that is above all that you will ask or you would even think. All my plans for you are good and not for evil. The Lord says, I love you, my people, with an everlasting love. And he wants to put that in your heart today. He said, if you trust in me and not lean on your own understanding and not go your own way, and not think that, oh, I can do it better than you, God. He said, I will direct you. I'll direct you in your job. I'll direct you in your ministry. I'll direct you how to raise your children. I'll direct you in every way of your life. So the Lord says, even in this time of uncertainty, you see what's going on? You know, and, and people, people are coming now, the Lord says, they're searching for the truth. They don't want the fluff and stuff. They want the truth of God. Amen. They want to know what the Lord is speaking in his word today. And his word is always good. His word is uplifting. He may spank us once in a while, but that's God. And he does it because he loves us. He does it because he loves us. So today, uh, and speaking of uncertainty, you know, you see all the things happening, and I come from Hawaii, and uh, you see Kilauea is just going wild there, has never done that before, not like that, uh, and I have family there, but you know what? The Lord is in control. Recently, he said, Val, get your house in order, and so as I was praying, get your house in order, he's saying, pray for your family. Minister to your family first, because they're first. Before you do anything else, minister. Because you know the Lord loves family. Oh, he loves us when we're just in, in unity with the family. How can we be in unity with strangers if we're not in unity in our own homes? That's what the Lord is saying. But he said, pray for your family. Lift up your family. Those that are unsaved, the Lord said, I'm going to bring them to my throne of grace. He said, he said, look for him with all of your heart and you will find him. Pray and he will hear your prayers. Today the Lord said, I'm going to answer your prayer. Whatever it is. And some are, some are feeling sick in their bodies. You know, some, some, some uh, uh, I don't know if it's someone here or a family member. You know, the sugar diabetes is going off the chart, up and down. And the Lord said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of that situation today if you would trust in me with all your heart. And the Lord's also saying uh, there's chronic back problems that's uh, affecting you on your job or affecting you, what, whatever you're doing, even your household chores. It's just so bad. It's like your disc. I see a disc that's out of place. The Lord said, I'm going to fix that. I'm going to put it back in place. See, God is the fixer. He's the fixer of our bodies. He's the fixer of our mind. He's the fixer of all things. He's our great physician. Someone's battling with the cancer, and that's the enemy. We rebuke that cancer in the name of Jesus, and it has to go. God doesn't put diseases on your body. He takes that thing off just to glorify his name because we are his children 
and he wants only good things for us. So I don't know. Oh, allergies. Allergies have been acting up even more so this year than ever before. Lord said, I breathe my breath into you right now. I breathe my breath into you now. My supernatural breath. I breathe it right now into you. Ah, Lord, thank you. Thank you for releasing that and making that lungs just, oh, Lord, pure and clean by your breath. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord, that we will put our trust in you today. We will put our trust in you. We will look for you and we will find you because we're going to look for you with all of our hearts today. From this day forward, Father God, we're going to hear your word to look for me with all your heart and you will find me and you will pray and I will answer, says the Lord. So just remember that God sees your faith. It's very precious to him. And discern whether you're hearing the spirit or the voice of condemnation, which is not the spirit. You know, I just felt like maybe we should take a moment. Um, If there's anybody here that, you know, you've come today and some of the words that were spoken, you just feel that's just for me today. And, and maybe you're here, just just forget that we're in a, a room and you're all in chairs facing this direction. Just imagine you're at home. We're in our living room again. A year ago, we're in our living room. I just want you guys to feel at home right now and safe. This is, this is a safe place. But if you feel like you've got a hunger for more of God, a hunger for a breakthrough, I would love to take an opportunity, if you would be willing and brave enough to just stand where you're at, and those of us that are around you will just stand with you and just bless and pray and agree with what it is that you're going after in God, what you're hungry for in God. So if that's you, if you want that, if you want a a blast of prayer, I like to call it a blast, you know, we we just lovingly pray over you if that's something that you want. We, we often wait till the end of the meeting and offer for prayer for healing, but if you want prayer right now, I just, I'm gonna invite you just to stand. And then those of us who are sitting, we're gonna look and see who's standing, and we're gonna come around you, and we just wanna lay hands on you and pray for you. And if you don't feel like you wanna come over and, and lay hands, there, there'll be plenty of people, I'm sure. So we got a handful of people. So this side of the room, uh, can come over on this side if you want to get around these guys, and we're just going to take a minute. We're just going to take a minute and pray, okay? Is that cool? All right. Why don't, um, yeah, I'm going to just pray from right here. Why don't you want to pray? Lay hands on? Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, and those of you who are over on this side, if you just want to stretch your hand out towards these guys, it's just a way of saying, I agree and I release what God has put inside of me, I release that onto them. So, Father, we thank you today. We thank you that you are a good God, that you see the gold inside of each one of these sons and daughters, that you see the hunger for the breakthrough, the hunger for more of you, the hunger to walk in freedom and uprightly, 
freedom and, and upright. Not crooked, but upright, God. We just agree with these, these sons and daughters of yours right now in Jesus' name. We agree that you would come now and you would strengthen and you would answer, you would release your goodness and your grace over each one. We just declare hope today. We speak the word of hope over each one of these sons and daughters. We thank you, Jesus, that you do not snuff out a smoldering wick. You do not break a bruised reed, but you release not new life. You release life and newness and strength. So today we declare through Jesus the strength and the newness of life would come and rise up in each one of these. We just release it now in the mighty name of Jesus, our King. Thank you, Lord. Where there's a need for healing in the body, we just say, fire of God, come now and release your presence and burn through everybody here that has a sickness or a cancer or a virus or brokenness in the body. We just say, let your fire release now from head down to the toes. And we just speak to pain today and we say, pain, go in Jesus' name. Pain, you're not welcome here. Sickness, you're not welcome here. These are bodies that have been purchased and redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We just say, on earth as it is in heaven, because there's no sickness and no disease and no pain in heaven, we say, heaven, come now and release your goodness. Holy Spirit, come now and release your your favor and your kindness and your love in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, we want to be like the Moravian people who wanted to see Jesus get the full reward of his sufferings. Jesus paid a price for our forgiveness. He paid a price for our freedom from demonic, our bondage. He paid a price for our healing in our bodies. By his stripes, we are healed. So we want to press and we want to pull on heaven and pull on what he paid for. We want to receive what is our inheritance. You know, we, we grabbed onto the, the word legacy for this church name, Legacy City Church, because legacy is about inheritance. Legacy is what Jesus paid for, for us to walk in, for us to carry through our lives. We have the legacy of heaven on us. If you're a believer, from a smoldering wick to a blazing fire, you have the favor of God on your life. And he is protective over that seed, that enduring, imperishable seed that he placed inside of you. All right. Yeah. Here, you go for a minute. (laughs) I got to get more done. Uh, You can stand, that's fine. Huh? You don't want to sit? Okay. Okay. We're not going to do a dance or a guys are kind of like, what's next? <laughs> Your little dance? You don't want that. So, all right, well, this week, I just want to share briefly a little bit of this week. Um, I feel like what God is doing in the church, nationwide, probably worldwide, and what he's doing in my own life and in the life of, of those of us here um, that, I, that I've gotten to know, that I have an in, inkling of what's happening in your spiritual journey, there's something that God is birthing. He's birthing something, a, a new hunger, a new revelation. It's actually not new, it's just his word. But he's highlighting things in the word. You know, everything we do for life 
and godliness is found by the Holy Spirit and it's found by the word of God. And so he highlights things. He highlights themes in the word that are for now. Like this is a now word. I've highlighted, you might be reading through a chapter of scripture and you're like, okay, Romans 8, I'm digging through here. And it says, all creation longs and waits for the sons of God to be manifested. And you're like, it seems like a theme I've been hearing a lot lately. This theme of identity, this theme of sonship. One of the prophetic voices in, in the world right now, uh, Bobby Connor, um, writes a book every year called The Shepherd's Rod. And he felt God said the theme for this year is sonship. We've been on a journey for a while now about identity. You know, we are no longer orphans. There's an orphan spirit that's in much of the church. An orphan spirit that's, that's like, well, I feel like I'm alone. I feel like I'm on my own. I feel disconnected from God. And he wants to restore that relationship. He wants to restore intimacy. He wants to break off that orphan spirit. And he wants to speak over you sonship, daughtership, if that's a word. All these ships, I don't know. It's not a notion. Sons and daughters. Vow. He says, you're my precious royal daughter. I'll just go around the room here. <laughs> Dale. No, I'm not going to cover everybody because that will be all of our time. But take this for yourself. Dale, Jesus paid a price for you to wear a crown, a crown of royal sonship. It's this thing that's in John chapter 1 and it says to those who received him to those who believed in his name he gave the right that word right is exousia it's a royal crown of authority we were singing it today you know you gave up everything you laid down your crown he paid he, he let it all go and walk this earth so that we could come into what he has so we could come into his inheritance and he has given you a royal crown, a crown of sonship. He's put a ring on your finger that says, you are my son, and I love you, and I paid a price that you could be my own, that the barrier of sin no longer has to stand between you and the Father, that the, the road home, the road to the Father is wide open, and he's saying to all of us, come running in. Come running in. I want intimacy with you. I want a relationship with you. You were wired. You were created for intimacy. Your brain, I don't know, Vani, if you listened to that podcast, I said you. So there was a, a podcast by Sean Bowles. Uh, he's speaking at a, at a church in Vacaville, California called The Mission. Sean Bowles is another prophetic voice in the nation. He was talking about intimacy. And our brains were designed for intimacy, for connection is the word that he used. You and I were made for connection. And when we isolate and when we, we peel away from all connection, it has an effect on us. But when we press into connection with one another, and he talked about this, this release of oxytocin in our bodies. You can Google it yourself. I have no idea. I'm not an expert in that stuff. He talked about a dopamine, how we get dopamine rushes from quick fixes of things that we, you know, whether it's good or bad, there's things that give us a dopamine rush. Well, there's oxytocin that's released in us, and they call it the God hormone. Non-believers, science people, 
they see this release of oxytocin, they, qu they haven't quite figured out what all it does, but it, it releases this feeling of peace and contentment, satisfaction, and it's something that God gives us through connection with him and connection with each other. So this theme this week that God's been just downloading on me is this thing of he's really been breaking this into the church of, of who you are. You are a, you're a daughter. You're a son. He paid the price that you could come in to his family, and he put a spirit of adoption inside of you so that you could agree with the Holy Spirit and call out to him, Abba, Father, Daddy God. I would encourage you guys Begin just to practice that on your own time. Learn how to talk to him as your dad. It's like, Father, Daddy, he wants you to understand the relationship that he wants with us, with each one of us, is the relationship of a father to a son, a father to a daughter. He wants intimacy. Even more, when I read that scripture from John 15 in the Passion Translation, how it says that he would take up the vine that's fruitless, he would lift it up, versus cutting it off and throwing it away, but he would lift it up. You can do a little search in the vine's concordance if you want. Read the Greek word for that. That lifting up and that nurturing of the fruitless vine. Which of us, moms and dads in the room, or sons and daughters in this room, would, it, would ever even imagine your parent or you as a dad casting your son aside, saying, you've messed up. You're no longer in my house anymore. You're never coming back. Get out. That is not the heart of the father. We can pull out verses and try to justify the whole thing of, you know, God pushing people out. You know, there are scriptures that refer to that. But it's very important to God that we represent his heart in, a, in an accurate way. He's a good God. His love endures forever. He paid the highest price for us to have freedom and a relationship with him. Jesus didn't die on the cross because you're scum. You were created in the image of God. You bear his likeness. And he paid the price. He sent his one and only son to die, to take on your sin and my sin so that we could be free from that barrier. He values you and I so much that he would offer his son to pay the price. I've heard it both ways in the church. I've heard it, well, God just tolerates you in Christ. You know, people put out a picture of, of God the Father as he's just, don't, almost said the P word, don't tick him off. Don't fizzle him off because he's short-tempered, kind of like this dad right here. He's got a short fuse. You mess up once and he's going to boot you to the curb. Ephesians chapter 2 says that now, now, through the church, God's intent is that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God, the many-faceted, the, the many-folded wisdom of God would be made manifest through, through what? The Bible? No, through the church. You and I, 
are his image bearers and we are his representatives here on earth. We're his ambassadors and it's important to him that we represent the Father rightly. This is a day and age where fathers and Father God takes the rap for so much that he doesn't deserve to take the rap for. We blame God in the church world for sickness. We say, well, the Lord blessed me with this cancer to teach me a lesson. And we like to say here that God did not send cancer to teach you a lesson. Rather, he sent Jesus to teach cancer a lesson. Jesus never, he would have been at odds with the Father. If the Father was giving sicknesses and then he went around driving out the sickness, that doesn't make sense. So we like to blame the devil for sickness. Now, we don't say every sickness and disease is a demon. It's not necessarily like it's, oh, you've got a spirit attached to you. Maybe you do, but, you know, tumors are tumors. But you can speak to those things. You can speak to a fever. Jesus did. He rebuked the fever. He took the woman by the hand, and he rebuked her fever, and it left. We have been given that authority in Jesus. And when we, as we walk in that authority and recognize that he paid the price. We're not trying to be sons and daughters. He, he's already spoken it, whether you feel like it or not. He's prophetically declared over your life, you are righteous, you are holy, you are a son, you're a daughter whom I dearly love. You're a saint. He spoke that over you before you took one baby step in your Christian walk. Because he sees the finished product. He sees you wrapped up in Jesus. So that's just been the week as a mailman. For those of you who don't know, I, I'm a mailman for my bread and butter. And uh, it takes care of our family. So that's why I got a weird tan, but you can't see it because it's covered up. It's a really weird tan. Tammy will tell you. Next Sunday, we are, we're not going to like put out balloons and food and stuff for this, but it's our one-year anniversary being in the building here. It's flown by. It doesn't always look like this. Yay, thank you, Jesus. It doesn't always look like this because Vonnie invited a friend who invited 20,000 people today. So, hey, we're, and we're happy. Yeah, it just feels good. It feels good to just to see more life. You guys carry life. You carry the presence of God with you. And the more, the merrier. So next Sunday is our one-year anniversary. We have some special friends next Sunday. I just want to mention them just to kind of wet your whistle a little bit, wet your appetite. Whistle. Appetite. Uh, the Dillons, Greg and Cheryl Dillon and their four kids will be with us next Sunday. They are wild cousins to this house. Um, I won't try to explain the church in McMinnville, but our apostolic spiritual mom and dad, not my natural mom and dad, but our spiritual mother and father to this church, they're an apostolic invited relationship. They and their church are our home away from home. They are a lifeline to us. They have extended their blessing of what God has done from their house to this house, to this baby church plant. Um, and in that, we've gained some friendships through people on their ministry team. So Father's Day Sunday, we will have Teresa Farley, who is their school of ministry uh, leader. 
she will be coming and sharing with us, and we'll be bringing someone from their team. But next Sunday, we get Greg and Cheryl. And Greg and Cheryl, they've been through the School of Ministry. They're rooted and based out of Galen's Church in McMinnville, Oregon. But they have received something over the last few months from the Holy Spirit that has affected their whole family. Um, their, their children even have been really touched by the power of God. And they, they actually, they don't, they don't do this. They don't make it up, but they manifest the presence of God in an interesting way. Um, they shake a little bit, you know, and it's just, it's, it's so real though. And it, what it does to me is it causes me to be so hungry because I want it for me. I want the Holy Spirit to, I'll use the word possess. Emily's like, Heidi, Heidi Baker says that on that one album. Possess me, God. And she just thinks that's so funny. It's weird to her, but it's like, I want him to possess, like own every part of me. I want him to fill the caverns of my soul. I want him to go into the places that I don't even know exist and fill and overflow. I want his fire, the fire of his presence, to be so powerfully inhabiting this human frame that maybe at times I do tremble in the presence. I want to live in the throne room everywhere I go. I want to stay in that place of the throne room of heaven. So they're going to come, and they're going to share their testimony. They're going to explain what's going on with their kids, no, with them and their kids, their family, the journey God has taken them on. And then they're going to take some time, if, if anyone wants it, to receive some prayer from them to have some impartation, which I may shove all you out of the way and be the first one to get some. So no, I'm kind of kidding, sort of. <clears throat> so. I know we're not going to get very far today because this always happens, and that's okay. <laughs> Tammy and I have been on this journey from going, a journey of going from traditional charismatic Christianity. Uh, we were four square people, assembly of God in her bloodline, assembly of God in my bloodline too, although that was never my experience. But I got saved at age 20 and found myself in the four square denomination. I'm forever grateful I am forever grateful for what God did in my life at Abundant Life Foursquare Church. And Pastor Steve, who's a spiritual dad, he took me under his wing for 10 years. He married us. He, did our, he officiated our wedding. We went our own way, but that's still place of honor in my heart. I may not like everything every leader in my life has done, but there's a place of honor in my heart for the man or the woman of God that took me and parented me in the spirit. They, they nurtured me in the kingdom, and they helped instill and establish kingdom values. Church changes. The face of the church changes, but kingdom, when God establishes kingdom through people in our lives, through relationship, that never goes away. So I want to encourage you today also that whatever your experience has been in the church journey, adventure, the good, the bad, and the ugly, whatever it's been, hold on to the gold. Hold on to the kingdom. And don't spend all your days looking backwards at all the negative stuff, but look forward 
to Jesus and, and walk with him because we don't want to lose momentum. We don't want to lose our tracking with where he's going. We want to stay in step, keep in step with the spirit. But we also want to honor and value the things God did in us because he didn't leave us. So in our journey, we had this, I, I call it kind of like the old model um, versus the new model. We had traditional charismatic church that was basically um, the pattern, the, the structure was you have the, the clergy, but they didn't call themselves the clergy, but you had, you had the pastoral staff and you had the laity. So in this setting here, you would be the laity and we would be the clergy. Now, don't expect me to put on a collar and do the weird stuff, you know, incense and all that. <laughs> incense and peppermints. So, so that, that was the old pattern, and that's kind of like the Old Testament model of religion. You had the priests, the priesthood, who did all the ministering. They did all of the intercession, the standing in the gap between God and, and man. And then you had the people, or the saints. So in our experience in the old model, there was a separation, and we never understood it we didn't know we didn't even know how to identify it we didn't know it was really there it's just this is church then God moved us into a new expression more I would call it more of a, a new testament pattern where we learned about this language called apostolic prophetic culture or apostolic prophetic model for the church and so just a few things because I'm not going to get very far I thought I would talk maybe about what the apostolic means to us one day <laughs> I've said this about five times now one day we'll get there it's all in the notes but if you guys want to stick around for another two hours <clears throat> we, I, I try to cooperate with the Holy Spirit so if he's just giving me something to speak I just got to kind of not turn the, the faucet off to do my thing um, so hopefully you guys can bear with the sporadic stuff here so there's the old model and the new model. The old covenant pattern, which is that separation. You've got the people of Israel and you've got the priesthood, the, the Levitical priesthood. So Jesus took that down. He, he pulled that apart. And now in Jesus, who is our high priest, because we are in him, now we become the priesthood. So we call it the priesthood of all believers. So in this apostolic prophetic model, and I know those are words that can make you think of many different things. So don't, don't freak out about what's an apostle, what's a prophet. Someday we may get there. But in that language to us, that means a lot of things. It means that the old model is not what we want to go to anymore. We want to go to the New Testament pattern, which is the priesthood of all believers. That Jesus has declared each one of us a part of the priesthood that we are all ministers. So people might ask me on the street, you know, when I tell them that we planted a church, and they'll say, oh, where did you go to seminary? My, um, you probably aren't going to want to come to our church because when I tell you I've never had a sem seminary theological degree, you know, I tried, but Tammy got in the way, and I started skipping, skipping school. <laughs> I found the better things in life than <laughs> cemetery or seminary, whatever it's called. So there's an emphasis on the priesthood of all believers 
in this apostolic prophetic way of life, this way of ministry. Um, there's kings. Jesus, there's, he, there's the king, King Jesus. There are kings, us, because we have now become part of his, his uh, king and priesthood. And there's a kingdom. There's the rule and the reign of Jesus that we get to carry in our own lives and let it expand in us and we also get to extend the kingdom. And the kingdom looks like so much, so much. Sometimes it could look like healing. It could look like somebody having a physical manifestation of the kingdom of God coming into their body and shifting things and changing things and bringing things back into order. It could be restoration of a relationship husbands and wives, friends that have parted ways. There's this reconciliation thing of the kingdom. The kingdom is in such unity. You know, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, perfect unity, a triune God. That is the government. That is the relational government he wants to release here on earth where there's connection and there's, there's reconciliation. It's forgiveness. It's getting the, the shame and the blame off of your life and walking in the freedom that Jesus has made for you, that he's made available for you. So let's just take a look at some. We, we better use the Bible in this place, or you guys are going to leave here saying, they didn't even read the Bible. Let's look at one passage. Let's go to the first part there, Isabel. This is where we would pull from that language of calling ourselves an apostolic prophetic DNA or cultured church, church plant. So Ephesians 4, 11 is kind of where it starts. It's where it's based. We're, you could say this church is an Ephesians 4 heartbeat kind of church because this is the, the model that we embrace. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service. Nowhere in that does it say he gave the pastors to do the works of service and the saints to come and applaud the pastor when he preaches good and get your friends to come listen to how good this guy preaches. And then he'll cast the net and he'll do the evangelist work and get them to raise their hand at the altar call and he will go to the hospital and visit and pray for the sick and he will do the baptisms and he will do the weddings and the funerals. And Poor pastor. I don't know how these guys can live as long as they, yeah, they burn out. I mean, but the, the biblical pattern is that God, that Christ himself gave these gifts. These are gifts to the church, and they come in human packaging. They come as men and women. They're apostles. They're prophets. They're evangelists. They're pastors and they're teachers. And guess what they get to do? Not all of the ministry they get to equip us to become apostolic, to become prophetic, to become evangelistic, to, become, to have the heart of a pastor, to learn how to care for people instead of only caring about ourselves, to, to be able to teach and be teachable. These gifts that he gave to the church are to equip us, to change us so that we could come into maturity. Well, we didn't get to that part of the scripture yet, but so that we could come into maturity into the full stature of maturity or manhood of, in Christ. 
God's basic goal is to get you and I to be like Jesus. Everything that he is and was on the earth, so we are to be too. Minus deity. Just want to clarify that. I don't want you to think I'm teaching some weird heretical thing. Oh, some people think that's... Anyway, we won't go there. So, to equip his people for works of service, <coughs> excuse me, so that the body of Christ may be built up. And I always highlight the until because that's not complete yet. Some will say, well, those things are done now. We don't need them. But the Bible says that those are the gifts that Christ gave to the church to equip the saints for works of service until the body of Christ is built up until, until we all attain to the unity of the faith. Haven't made it there yet. We're working on it. And to, of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. Sorry, boys. It's time to grow up. Can't stay in preschool forever. So I should be talking to the adult men in the room. <laughs> God did not intend for us to stay baby Christians. No offense if you wear a diaper in the, in the spirit, you know. There's a time and a season for being a baby Christian. There's a time to make messes. You know, it's just part of being a baby. But we don't, God's plan is not that we stay babies forever. He wants to raise us up as sons and daughters that can parent babies, that we can take baby Christians under our wing and release life and encouragement and prophesy and push them forward in him. So, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, or instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. Wow, there's a key. Take that key today if you didn't quite grab it or if you don't have it yet. The key is love. Growing up in love. It's time that we take judgment, take critical spirit, and cast that stuff off. It is not our place. It is not our place to be the judges. We are kings and priests, not judge. Now, I, I love it when people tell me, don't judge me, because, you know, sometimes we do have to say, hey, brother, got something on you there. Let me brush that off, because you got some gold right there, and I want to see the gold that God's put in you, but that that barf on your jacket is just like distracting everyone. So sometimes there's a place to, to brush that off, but, but that is not our job to go looking for everyone's dirt. People are going to run from us when we look for their dirt. But in love, if we in love speak the truth to one another in love and grow up and build ourselves up together in love as each part does its work, then that's, that's what he wants to do in us and through us. So I think we have to just wrap it up now. Oh, yeah. Yes. You know, back to the whole journey of churches and stuff, something we decided a long time ago was that even though maybe stuff hit the fan in a church, it doesn't matter. What did, what did we take away from that? What, did, what was God doing in us in that process? And... We took away stuff. You don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And 
all of us have been hurt by people, but you, you take your, you look at what God's doing in you, and God's done so much in us over these last, a long time, last 15 years, <laughs> for sure, or 20. We've been married almost 22 years. Woohoo! So a lot has happened, and a, God has shifted our thinking. He's shifted our perspective on things. And he's taught us how, no matter what your circumstances, what you're going through, to look from his perspective, not look from an earthly perspective. That's for sure. So much in this, what I call the apostolic prophetic model, um, where we embrace the gifting of, of what an apostle brings to the table, what a prophet brings to the table. And most of us already know about evangelists. Everyone knows what a pastor is. You know, they shepherd sheep teachers those are pretty easy to figure out but we the, the whole thing of apostle and prophet is fairly resurfaced in the fairly newly resurfaced in the church and so a lot of people are confused and not sure what that means and we don't we don't put name badges on people and say hey this is our apostle but we recognize anointings and giftings on people's lives and they we want to pull from what God has placed in them to to help us to become more like that so and in that journey, perspective has shifted. Uh, identity has shifted. Um, this season that we're in right now is, is a season of knowing who you are. God wants you to know who you are. He wants you to never hesitate to come into his fatherly presence as, your, as his son or daughter. And he wants to connect you to the head. He wants to connect you to Jesus who is our head. Now you are in Christ if you're a believer. But maturity shows us this picture of growing up into the head where we become more and more aware of the thinking of the mind of Christ, the mind of our God. I know that sounds weird to say that God has a mind, but he does. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who could be his counselor? But we have received the mind of Christ. We talked about that a few weeks ago. And in, in our journey as a church, we are pressing forward into becoming a prophetic community. We want to be a prophetic family of believers where we learn how to accurately hear and pull from those who have anointings in the prophetic so that we can hear God more clearly. In fact, we're going to be starting off a journey. Uh, we won't throw the date out right now, but we're going to step out into a journey. It will be a Friday evening set up where it'll be eight weeks long where we're going to go through a prophetic curriculum. Um, we, we got it from Bethel Church. There's many different pr prophetic curriculums, but we did pick the one from Bethel that Chris Vallotton uh, put together. And it'll be eight Fridays, Friday nights. We'll be gathering at our house and we'll be going through this together and we'll step into it. <clears throat> we're excited. And everyone that has said yes to want to be a part of that is excited about it too. So if you're here today and you're new and you're thinking about maybe visiting again, whatever God leads you to do, um, that is something that we would love to chat with you about if you wanted to take advantage of that. Um, pardon? Oh, yes, please. The prophetic has... <laughs> you guys are funny. The prophetic has radically changed our lives. Tammy and I went down to McMinnville, Oregon, four years ago as strangers, 
to a leadership conference where we didn't realize it was all pastors of churches. Sorry, guys, I know you've heard this all before. I know, I'm sorry, but we went, when we went down, we, you know, we had struggled for several months of, we really were feeling like God was calling us upon a church, but my husband, who is very wise, said, because I'm like, let's just go plant a church. We're not, you know, we need to plant what we're wanting to see, what we feel God wants in a church, and so we went down, and we were like, we're not telling anyone, and I don't think we actually realized, like, it was all pastors there. We just, we just kind of went, and, uh, it was awesome. So you can finish the story. Do you want to? I do. Can I? <laughs> you always get to tell it. It's my turn today. I know. These guys haven't heard. So we went down um, the first night we got called out um, by some of the Bethel students. And after um, it was over that night, another Bethel student came up to us and said, I hear your I'm hearing God say, you're here for clarity and direction, and you're to go plant that church. And our eyes, I know, were probably this big, and then she kind of stepped back and was like, um, was that good? And we're like, um, you have no idea, so we told her our story. And um, then we had for three days the same thing. We, um, Teresa, actually, who is a prophetic voice to our church, we, she was in one of our appointments, and she said, I hear church bells and see a steeple. Are you wanting to plant a church? So we had like three days of that. It was so great. Go ahead. Are you done? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> We've told this story so many times. Sorry, you guys that have heard it a million times. It started there. And for us to go back to the starting place, we've taken that prophetic word, that seed, that a, a young black girl who was she didn't quite say it the way Tammy. She wasn't that calm. She was ah, twisting herself and manifesting. She's shoulders shrugging and shaking. And she's like, I feel like God is saying you're here for clarity, direction, and you were to go plant that church. And we about fell on the floor. It was very intense. But that seed, we've had to hold that before us when we were in our living room with the Fitzhughes for months and months. No one wanted to come yet at that point to be a part. And then, then the burrows came and and then there were some others that came and went that, you know, they were, they ended up leaving town and stuff. And there's some that checked it out and it just wasn't for them. I don't know if I'd want to be a part of a church plant unless God was like, be a part of a church plant. But we had to hold our prophetic word before us, our prophetic promise. We had to hold it before us. Justin remembers those days. Those were some wild days, man hearing your knuckle pop as Tammy was. Anyway, that was just interesting. The Holy Spirit chiropractor entered the room once and did a little adjustment, but anyway, that was fun. It hasn't happened since, but I'm ready for more. But anyway, we've had to hold our prophetic promises before us, and Graham Cook recently said, and we'll end with this, Graham Cook had said, don't let your circumstances dictate to your prophetic promises. We could have looked at our living room and said, you know what, it's been six months, Let's just go find a church somewhere and join. We'll go help someone else. But when you take a word that you know is from God and you hold it before you, you challenge your circumstances with that word, with that promise. You hold that and you say, this is what you spoke. You confirmed what was in our hearts. There's a team of people that are cheering us on in another city that are checking in and saying, you're right on target, right on target. Even when it's months in the living room, you're right, perfect timing. And then we, we look fast forward and we have a day like this. 
or this is an unusual day, but it, it's like so encouraging because it's just a taste of what we believe God wants to build. But anyway, I want you guys all stand up. So we do want to make opportunity again at the end here um, for anyone who wants prayer for healing. If you want just personal one-on-one prayer, there will be a group of us up in the front here and just come pick whoever you want. None of us will be offended if you don't say, you didn't pick me. Holy Spirit will lead you to the right person. It could be one of the kids. In fact, if you want prayer from one of the youngsters, you just go up to them and talk to them or maybe come talk to me first, and I will gather a few of these guys. There's some powerful kids in this room, and they will agree. But if you, whoever you want to pray, we will pray for healing. If you want healing, if you just want a fresh, just a fresh infilling, just a fresh blessing, we'll just agree and, and just see what he wants to do. And yeah, so let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We love you so much. We just love you. We love your presence. We love who you are. We love you, our God, and our creator, our king, our maker, our redeemer, and our rescuer. Jesus, glorious King Jesus, crowned with many crowns, royal diadems, angels and elders falling at your feet this very moment that we can't even see, worshiping you, saying, worthy is the lamb, worthy is the lamb, Holy, holy, holy. We worship you today. We are your worshipers. We're your sons and your daughters. We are your adopted ones, but we are first and foremost the adorers, the adorers and worshipers of our King, our beautiful King. We pour out the love in our heart at your feet, Lord Jesus. We worship you. We say let the, let the ointment of our heart be like perfume on your feet. We lavish our love on you. We just want to love you more. We want to grow more and deeper into, into intimacy with you. We want to know your heart. We want to hear your voice. We want, to, we want to track with your thoughts. We want to be so familiar with the way you think that it's automatically the way we think. We're yours. We are yours this day, and we just praise you. And we thank you for this time to fellowship and, and enjoy your people. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.